0: You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com.
1: Hey, Savage Love listeners, this is Malika.
0: And this is Nathan. We wanted to tell you about our podcast, Speaking of Sex, from Planned Parenthood, a name you know and trust when it comes to your sexual health.
1: Dan's the man when it comes to dishing out sex and relationship advice. But check us out for the sexual health information and stories. Our 20-minute shows cover everything from online dating to anal sex to reproductive rights. Plus,
0: we just launched a cross-country video road trip series called Sex on the Road. You can watch and listen to our shows on iTunes or go to speakingofsexpodcast.org. And remember, be safe. And have fun.
2: Whether you're fatted by love or you never had a hug You can count on your man Dan Savage all month He's your grandma's favorite gay Here to save the day Turn your sex days into sex games With sex raise advice for all your sex slaves So the next day, you can fuck your ex in the best way He's straight up, no lies, no makeup No fake half-baked stuff No price, no pay stuff, no money Don't be a stranger, just give him a call, honey 206-201-2720
3: Hey, welcome to another installment of the Savage Lovecast. That is our fabulous new theme music. No, you didn't accidentally uh, set your download button or whatever the fuck it is, however the fuck you do it, to Hot 97 New York or anything. Uh, As we've said on previous shows, we dithered for a long time about intro music, uh, and finally we just threw it out to our listeners and said, anybody who wants to create... uh, some music for an intro for Savage Love is welcome to do it and send it, and we will use it, even if it sucks. We'll use it at least once. That did not suck. That actually brought Savage Love into, you know, the mainstream of music tastes right now. Because I understand the kids are really down with the hippity hoppity and uh, I'm happy to have a little hippity hoppity at the beginning of my show, particularly one that incorporates the phone number, so I don't have to give it myself. Uh, our performers today, our new intro bed by A-OK, which is some hip hopity band somewhere in America. I know, That's all I know about them. A-OK. You can Google it your fucking self. And uh, we have lots of fucking phone calls, and we're happy to get you. And in other uh, Savage Love podcast news, we'll soon have a little uh, recording studio that's quieter than this one, so you won't hear those sirens going by. We get a lot of emails from people complaining that every once in a while they hear a siren going by, wondering where the fuck I'm doing the podcast from. Uh That's so violent. Of course, I do the podcast from a top-secret, undisclosed location in a gay neighborhood, so those are the fashion police you hear screaming by every once in a while.
1: Hi, Dan. I'm a 25-year-old straight female. Um, I met a guy about a month ago, and I've seen him about four times. Um, He's a a really nice guy, uh, very funny. The sex is great. I mean, I'm really enjoying that with him, but I don't see him as a potential boyfriend or somebody that I could have a serious relationship with. So am I wasting my time with him? Or should I talk to him and let him know that I'm not looking for something serious? Or should I just wait and see how things develop and see what he says on his part? Thanks very much.
3: I know just how you feel. Uh, I, I was dating this guy once and, you know, the sex was really great. And He totally wasn't boyfriend material, totally wasn't what I thought I, uh, you know, what I was looking for. And I, you know, I was really torn about how do I break it to him that, you know, the odds are that we are not going to, you know, get serious about each other because he just, you know, wasn't what I thought boyfriend material was for me. Uh, I still haven't broken it to him 14 fucking years later, and he's home right now with our kid making a birthday cake. Um, So I actually don't know how to help you with this, because I was in the exact same position you were once, and I never told the guy, and he never fucking left. And now I'm stuck with him. So I feel unqualified to advise you about, you know, when you're dating somebody who isn't boyfriend material, but the sex is awesome and you kind of like them, about what the fuck to do. Um, I kept my mouth shut. I kept fucking the guy, and he never left.
0: Hey, Dan. Um, I meet with a bunch of friends every couple of weeks. It's a pretty awesome tight-knit group. And uh, tonight, um, we were hanging out at my friend's house, and uh, he discovered that a bottle of Percocet was missing. Um, I'm 99% sure who did it. Um, One of the people who uh, meets in this group... Uh, has had some like painkiller substance abuse uh, issues in the past and he's gotten treatment for it. Um, So I guess my question is, uh, do I confront him? Uh, Do I uh, make sure that uh, my friends kind of hide their painkillers? So when we, uh, when we meet up um, I'm kind of in a bind. I'm not sure what to do.
3: My first thought on listening to your call, of course, was that your friend wouldn't have to steal the Percocet if it was offered to him, if you know, if it was shared. Percocet is like tea or pot or crabs. You're just supposed to share Percocet without uh being asked. Uh my other thought is that, you know, you're ninety-nine percent sure that it was this guy because he has a history of substance abuse, uh particularly uh, prescription drug substance abuse. to me that's not an open and shut case. Just because there's one person in the room who, you know, had a rocky patch and everybody knows that he was abusing prescription drugs once upon a time doesn't mean that there aren't other people in the room who also uh, have abused prescription drugs or are abusing prescription drugs and just haven't gotten caught yet or it didn't fuck their lives up so severely that they had to go into treatment. So it seems a little bit like you're convicting this guy based on his past problems. Uh, Perhaps there's other things, uh, other bits of evidence that you didn't cite that lead you to him I would, in your shoes, keep my mouth shut and hide my drugs if I didn't want them stolen and give the poor motherfucker the benefit of the doubt because what you got or what you laid out for us ain't enough to convict. Uh, you have to catch him red-handed. Um, and abusing prescription drugs is, uh, common these days and a taste, uh, Her Percocet is very common these days. My last birthday cake was frosted with Percocet. So in your shoes, again, I'd give the motherfucker the benefit of the doubt. Don't assume that the rest of the people at the party would never touch uh, a prescription drug that didn't belong to them. And don't rule out the possibility that, you know, a bottle of Percocet got mislaid. Sometimes you take a Percocet and you forget where you left the Percocet because that's the kind of impact Percocet can have on a person. And if you do decide, you know, not to take my advice because it's advice, not binding arbitration, you don't have to do every goddamn thing I say. I wouldn't confront him like, "Hey, motherfucker, a bottle of Percocet is missing. We know you took it because you have a history of prescription drug abuse." there's a way to like say that and to mean that you know and to frost it or tart it up or put it in the drag of concern for him say you know last time we all got together a bottle of prescription drugs went missing i just wanted to check in with you and make sure you weren't having problems again with the prescription drug thing, not saying you did it, not even convinced you did it. There are lots of other people there. Qualify the fuck out of it. Lots of other people there. Lots of other people are, you know, experimenting with prescription drugs or abusing them. You're not the only one in the world, but you know, if it was you, uh, I just wanted to let you know that I'm concerned. Your friends are concerned and we're here for you. Like you could frame it, not in a you motherfucker, we're going to hide our drugs. Fuck you for stealing our drugs way that, you know, allows him to save a little face, but also lets him off the hook. If he didn't fucking do it, and it's entirely possible that he didn't fucking do it.
4: Hi, Dan. Uh, my name is Charlie. I uh, enjoy your show a great deal. Uh, i got a little question for you about my kids. I've often thought that uh, you should go into uh, sex ed because I like the, the style that you approach things with. Um, so these kids, they're uh, four and five, essentially. Just went upstairs to check on them. They decided they wanted to sleep together tonight. Got up into the the bed. I don't know why they wanted to sleep together, but they wanted to. Got up to the bed, there they were, all angelic, lying there, uh, nice and calm. As soon as I started talking to them, the younger one, the boy, Raymond, he starts frantically zipping up his pants. So they had had their pants off so they could touch each other's bumps. I don't know. I try to have a good attitude about this sort of thing. I want to be real GGG with the kids, you know. Uh, honesty, desires truthfulness, true to yourself, that kind of stuff. I'm not sure how to handle this. They really can't be fooling around with each other. And they're only four and five years old. So what do I do?
3: GGG means good giving in game. And as I've said in Savage Love thousands of times, uh, good giving in game is what we should be for our lovers. Good in bed, giving, uh, you know, sometimes willing to go that extra mile, endure a little bit for the other person's pleasure, and game for anything. You know, water, sports, bondage, like you need to be horse for each other. Please don't be GGG with your kids. Uh, That's a misapplication of the principles of GGG. What to do about a four- or five-year-old, you know, four- and five-year-olds who are innocently exploring each other's bodies because they are curious, as many four- and five-year-olds are. Well, what you do is you go to the kitchen and you boil some water and you splash them with scalding water in the genital region so that they learn Never, No, no, you don't do anything like that. You don't freak the fuck out. You very calmly... Explain to your kids, as I have had to, to mine, that, you know, you have private areas, these are special areas, uh, and they're for you alone right now, uh, and you shouldn't be touching other people's private areas, and they shouldn't be touching yours. You say to them, you know, of course you're curious, I'm not angry at you, um, but that kind of touch between siblings or friends or anyone else at your age is not Appropriate. That's all you have to say. You have to gently but firmly encourage them to be conscious of the fact that their curiosity was natural. Their desires are natural. They're not in trouble with you or God or Dan Savage or anybody else, but they need to respect each other's private areas, the genitals, the bouté, They need to leave it alone. And if they have any questions or they're curious about genitals or private areas or how those little bits work, that they should come to you, not for any GGG action, come to you for a little conversation and a little discussion. And if your kids are doing that, it means they're curious, which is a good point, I think, to jump in and have a discussion about sex and sexuality and genitalia and making babies and why boy bits are different than girl bits. And, you know, why sometimes it tickles or feels good to touch that part of your body because there's so many nerves, waka, waka, waka. Four and five is not too young for that conversation. And if your kids are, you know, engaged in those sorts of innocent, explorations and these are innocent explorations now's the time to have the conversation they've really uh initiated that conversation with you through their actions and you need to man up dad and have that talk
5: hey dan uh i am 24 straight man uh in law school in san francisco and i also happen to be FCM tranny boy and um I have lots of questions for you, but I'm only going to ask you two today. Uh, I've been using the men's room for about five years now, and uh, I don't have a piss and packer. I just go in the stall and squat and do my business. And um, something I've noticed is it seems that uh, bio boys, uh, that other guys, when they take a shit, they sit down to shit. And then when they're done, they stand up to pee. And I'm wondering, is that true? Um, And do all guys do that? And um, I just, I find it really interesting um, that they would sit down to shit and then get up to take their piss. And then my other question is, obviously I never stand up when I pee. Um, And uh, like I said, I'm in law school. So there's about... 60 people that I'm with five days a week. Uh, the only people I'm with after class, we all pretty much rush the bathroom um, and there's only two stalls there. And I'm wondering, are is anybody going to notice that I always use a stall, that, you know, when I'm in the stall, I never stand up. Um, you know, even if I am taking a crap afterwards, I stay sitting down to pee. Um, and is that, I mean... You know, if the stalls are full, I kind of pretend like I just went in to wash my hands. Is that something the guys notice? Is it something they might notice since it's the same people that I'm in the bathroom with, you know, every day, five days a week? Um, So, yeah, thanks.
3: Uh, So about the sit to shit, then stand to pee thing. Yeah. I think you're hearing things there in the stall. Because my vast experience with uh, going to the bathroom with guys is that if they need to shit, they'll sit. And shit? And pee? While they're down there? They don't, like, take a shit in the stall and then get up and walk to the urinal or take a shit and then stand up and turn around and pee? Maybe I'm just being paranoid. <laughs> I think you are being paranoid. Is there no one in your life that you could ask about this stuff? Do you not have male friends who know your
5: FTM? Um, I, I have a couple, but they're kind of weird guys. They get kind of weird
1: about stuff like that.
5: Really? About so. talking about these things? Yeah, it's like it's I don't know. I asked them one time if I could ask them stuff, and they were like, yeah, and then I asked them something once, and they were like, oh, uh, 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 I, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs>
4: so.
5: don't, don't listen to them. Um, the other thing, you know, will guys
3: notice if you're always going into the stall? Yes, guys will absolutely notice that. Will they assume you have ovaries or had them? At some point, if you're coming to the stall, no, guys will assume you're pee shy. Alright, that's good to know. That's it, and you know you can you can also get a. Uh catheter shunt. I'm not sure what they called. You mentioned it. I mean, your call that will allow you to stand to pee. It's so the thing you can insert into your urethra, and then you can stand at a urinal just like a real boy. Um, not that you are not you a real boy. Oh my god, I'm going to get such angry screaming phone calls from the trannies. You're a real boy! But, you know, you can stand at a urinal now like a, like, you know, a, like... Like an, a different boy. Like, yeah, like another kind of boy. Like a, a boy with an Audi. <laughs> All right, awesome. Well, have fun in awesome. uh, New Orleans. I'll have a good time. I hope to talk to you again sometime. Sure thing. Die. Bye. In other tranny news, uh, folks might want to go to com and look up a piece by Thomas Beattie, who's a female-to-male transsexual who kept his reproductive organs when he transitioned. Uh, there's a picture of him. He's totally a dude, legally married, legally a male, and he's pregnant, and he's having a baby. Uh, and it kind of will blow your mind when you read this piece. But in a good way. You know, minds sh- and other things should be blown on a regular basis. Uh, what I think is most, you know, partly what's interesting about the piece to me is there's been a lot of screaming and yelling uh, from uh, the tranny community about, uh, you know, there's a gay rights bill moving around in Congress that Barney Frank and HRC supported uh, without... Uh, protecting tranny rights and there's a lot of screaming and yelling about you know we're all one community and rights for all or rights for none um and the betrayal of the tranny community what i think is interesting uh, in part about this guy's story is uh, he writes that he is legally married to his partner nancy which is a right that he as an ftm enjoys because he's legally male and a right of course same-sex couples do not enjoy and one of the arguments that has been kicked around a lot during this debate over whether or not enda uh should be something the gay community supports if it doesn't protect uh, tranny rights too is that trannies you know you know why should gay you know we all go at once or we don't go at all but a lot of trannies are have access to legal marriage and aren't forgoing those rights while same-sex couples do not have access to those rights so you know what's good for the ftm goose should be good for the gay gander or something in my opinion anyway it's a good read you should go check it out
0: Hey Dan, I uh, have a hard time. Seemingly, I'm getting intimate with most men. Uh, I, I think because I worked at a clinic, you know, I see all the dark, dirty side of sex and the repercussions and the treatments and the warts and the oozing and the, the yuckiness of it all. Um, you know, and I understand. You know, I'm I'm, I'm very safe and I'm, I'm knowledgeable on it. But the problem is, I just can't seem to make a bridge across that so that it can be instant, have some fun, you know, do what it takes, get my groove on,
6: what what not. But uh yeah. So I was wondering if you had any ideas, you know, how to get through that.
3: Steven? Hello. It's Dan. Hey. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? Good. So you've seen too much. Yes. You've seen too many anal wart, encrusted bungholes, you've seen <laughs> too much pus drooling out of diseased cock.
7: Yeah, exactly.
3: And it's put you off the men.
7: Uh, Pretty much. I mean, I I don't have a problem meeting them. It's just uh, getting past that whole uh, uh, intimacy hump.
3: What's that? All those mental images. Exactly. Um, Do you breathe the air? I do. Do you know what's in it?
7: Um... I'm pretty sure there's a lot of nasty things in the air.
3: All sorts of crap. Do you eat the hamburgers?
7: Uh, I try not to, but I do once in you a while, do yeah.
3: Succumb. Do you know what the fuck's in hamburgers?
7: Um, I've watched a few movies, yes.
3: Oh, my God. And yet you put a hamburger in your mouth. Uh,
7: Yeah, I do. It's usually against my will, but yeah.
3: <laughs> uh, that's hot. Somebody, like, fucking ties you up and makes you eat a hamburger. Yeah. Totally. Um, What you got to do with, you know, the boys you date uh, is the same thing you do with the air you breathe and the hamburgers you occasionally consume in elaborate BDSM scenarios. Okay. um, Which is to suspend your disbelief. Like you go, I know I'm going to take a breath now. Here I go. I'm not going to think about what's in the air because if I don't breathe, I'll die, right? That's, that's a good point. I... And it's the same thing with, like, sex and intimacy. I, I, it's totally fine. Like, I get it. You're going to have a higher bar. You're going to probably be a little bit more risk-averse because of the shit you've seen. And that's not necessarily bad. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, if you meet a guy and you say, you know what, I worked in an STD clinic for a long time, and so I'm, like, kind of shy about jumping right in. Uh, so... I totally want to date you, let's hang out a little bit But I need to, you know, get a good look in the light at your butthole Before I put my tongue on it or anything Okay. okay. And any guy that's worth dating is going to go Oh, that's cool, of course, you know, I want you to be comfortable And, you know, if you need a, a week or two to figure out that I'm not, you know, a diseased pariah um, <laughs> I will go there for you You do have to accept, though, that STI risk is part of the package Right Just like E. coli is part of the whole hamburger deal these days <laughs> Just like, you know, fine particle dust is part of the whole oxygen deal these days. And you have to be cool with the fact that, you know, you're assuming some risk when you're intimate. Because of your raised awareness, you will get treatment right away. You know what the symptoms are. You know what to look for. You know what to avoid. Right? Right. So you'll be smart, and you're much less likely to get infected. But, you know, you may. Even the people who do everything right do.
7: I know. That's right. I know.
3: And you have to just accept that, and accept that it's not that big a deal. Okay. You know, and there's plenty of things you can do messing around that are incredible to low to no risk, you know, low to no risk for, you know, the big, scary, horrible HIV, and carry, you know, minuscule risks for gonorrhea and syphilis, and, you know, minor risks for, you know, the skin to skin contact ones, you know, frittage and mutual masturbation. There's plenty of ways you can be intimate with somebody, baby steps, gradually, that are really satisfactory before you jump right into the, the butt-fucking and shit like that. Okay. That carry the real risks. I guess I never
7: thought of it that way.
3: And you should do, I mean, I think that particularly gay guys, particularly young gay guys, shouldn't be having anal sex on a first date anyway, or maybe even oral sex on a first date anyway, because STD rates are much higher in our community, Right? Right. And right. so anybody, you know, who's gay, who's coming forward to date you, you know, doesn't enjoy the benefit of the of the doubt on STIs. You have to be like, you know what, just the stats say that we're at higher risk for all of this because there's greater preponderance of infection in our community. So you know what, the first couple times we mess around I'd like just to roll around. Okay. And make out and beat off. And any guy who says no to a roll around and a jack off session with a hot young guy, is not a guy you want to roll around and jack off with as a hot well,
7: young guy. That's that's true. That's true. Well, you make it so easy.
3: I do. <laughs> I hope I made
7: you so easy. I, you know what? I think you have. And, I, <laughs> and I, I, I'm going <laughs> to is that gonna, part of the
3: problem for you? Like you were worried that if you said yes to a sexual encounter, it had okay, well, to be like the full well, deal—the butt sex, the rimming, and sucking and bucking and all that.
7: A lot of times, it seems that it's got to go that direction in a lot of ways, and I just—that's when I'd like put the—I put the heels in and I'm like, no, I can't go there, and then,
3: then I feel do, like all you have to do in those situations is just put out what you're willing to do. You just say, okay, okay. you know, that some guys put in the the moves on you, and you just have to be like, you know what? You're hot. I'd love to like get naked with you. I'd love to have an orgasm with you, but my like standard operating you know procedures, my policy is the first few times I mess around with somebody, that's all we're gonna do is make out, roll around, and beat off. If you're down with that, great. And maybe you know once we get to know each other better and we're like totally into each other, we can graduate to you know varsity league sex. But at first, it's gonna be you know just this. And if you just say what you know your expectations are, where you're willing to go, then it's up to him to decide if he's willing to operate under those limitations. And honest to God, most guys will be willing to operate under those limitations. And guys who aren't, you don't want to fuck with anyway. Sure, that's a good point. So you're well rid of them. Okay, okay. All right. (laughs) Good luck out there. And, you know, wipe those mental images from your brain.
7: Okay. I'll do my best, but I appreciate your input. Okay. Definitely. Talk to you soon. All right, thank you. Bye.
1: Hey, Dan, this is Macy. Um, I'm calling because I have a friend who's become a total shit show lately. Um, We've noticed that, especially when she gets wasted, um, and even when she's sober, she's a totally different person. Um, I guess the most prominent part of her rants nowadays are um, sex-based. She'll tell anyone who will listen that she's a crazy, kinky bitch, which is really awkward, especially when we have people that have never been over to our house before. Um... And I guess the uber-sad part about this whole thing is that she's never had sex when she's been sober. And she's alluded to many times um, when she was drunk and comfortable um, that she's been taken advantage sexually. So um, the more and more we see her this way, the more we think she's raped. Right. Um, this is sort of, like, reaffirmed to us by her reaction to men, which is usually very harsh when she feels like she's being hit on. Uh, she pretty much goes from walk to kill when a guy comes onto her, or she perceives that he's coming onto to her. Uh, there's, like, no flattery in it for her whatsoever. And um, at the same time, she seems to think that everyone wants to fuck her. And she's even accused me of wanting to fuck her, which is totally weird because I'm straight and I have a boyfriend. And I, you know, I've never really, like, alluded to that. Um and it's, just, it's frustrating because no one likes being slapped in the face and accused of trying to fuck someone when they just accidentally brush up against them in the kitchen. Um, we think that her talking about being a kinky sub is a way to put herself back in the situation when she was abused and it around so she's in control, which is fine. Um, but we just don't know how to get her to stop making an ass of herself in public about it and get her to shut the fuck up about it. Aside from the wild, kinky sex talk, she doesn't seem to have any control over her alcohol consumption either. She chugs beers and even heartache to a point that's, like, nauseating, not to mention totally expensive for us, and she never pitches in and helps out with it. Um, and usually we have to hide all of our shit when she comes over, um, so she just won't walk in and chug it. Um, I guess even worse than the binge drinking is it. It, it just really intensifies your feelings of self um and it, it just gets really obnoxious and awkward for all of us. Um, normally, I would tell someone that they're just making fucking ass of themselves and they just stop being such a fucking tool, but because of her sexual abuse, I don't really know how to handle it since she's clearly acting out about something. Um, I still love her. She's still one of my best friend, and I really care about her, um, and I know she needs help. So um, if you could... Yeah, give me any thoughts on what you have
3: to say. That would be great. Uh, Just listen to your call. I have an alternate interpretation of your friend's behavior. Okay. She's a drunk, a mooch, and an asshole. Doesn't necessarily (laughs) mean she's a rape victim and you have to tiptoe around her for the rest of your life because she said she's Mm -hmm. been taken advantage of sexually when she's hammered, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of people... uh, with problems with inhibitions, drink uh, because it lowers their inhibitions, and then they're taken advantage of because they want to be taken advantage of. That's why they were drinking. Um, okay. So you shouldn't just leap to, "Oh, she was raped. She's been sexually abused. Therefore, we can't confront her about her binge drinking, mooching, and assholery." Uh-huh. You need to confront her, even if she okay. was raped or abused sexually. I love you. You're you're my be- you're one of my best friends. You need help. You need to say something to her. Turning a blind eye isn't help, and it isn't what a a friend in your position should do. And even if somebody has been raped at some point in his or her life, and rape does happen to men too sometimes, that doesn't give them, like, carte blanche to be assholes forever. Mm -hmm. They have a responsibility to themselves and the other people in their lives, you know, to get the help that they need and if they don't perceive a need for help it's the responsibility of the other people in their lives to encourage them to get help not just like let the train wreck go on and on and on and on yeah so what you're doing like not bringing it up not confronting her, hiding your booze this is all that's all really alcoholic behavior on your part you know, when grandma's drunk and falling down drunk and throwing up at the kitchen sink and the whole family, like, walks around pretending that what they all see happening isn't actually happening? That's alcoholic behavior.
1: Yeah. Well, no, I totally agree, which is why I wanted to change it somehow.
3: Well, you know, and I just... Change it by, you know, everything you said to me, you need to say to her, particularly the little bit at the end of your call where you're like, I love her, one of my best friends. She needs help. You need help. Just need to tell her you yeah. need help. And you know what? This is what you should do. I will not hang out with you when you are drinking. Okay. You are not allowed to drink at my house. I don't want to be with you when you're drunk. You're not the same person when you're drunk. And everything, you know, I've had conversations with friends, and you know, an approach I've taken that's really effective is this person that you are when you're drunk. You need Mm -hmm. to give yourself permission to be that person when you're sober. Uh
4: huh.
3: Because that's clearly part of who you are. If the booze like brings that out of you, it, it's in you, and you need to find a way to incorporate both sides of your personality here, without you know the leverage that alcohol can be.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, be crazy, kinky, you know, sexually adventurous woman sober. You're less likely to be taken advantage of. You know, if you have your wits about you, and you're giving yourself permission to, you know, be sexually who you are, and you're mm-hmm. likely to remember it and have fun and not get into dangerous situations. And I'll hang out with you in that condition. <laughs> yeah. But you're making an asshole out of yourself with the drinking and the running off, running your mouth when you're bombed and the accusations of everyone wants to fuck you and blah blah blah. So knock it the fuck off and if you're drinking you're not I don't want to be with you. Period. End of discussion. But you've got I'm to get some incentive yeah. to, to, to pull back on the drinking and you've gotta let her know how she's being perceived when she's hammered.
1: Yeah, I think that's the big thing is that she just doesn't know that, like, people are feeling kind of, like, weird about it, so.
3: It's awkward for you.
1: It's, yeah, it is awkward for me. It sucks Especially, especially
3: when, when I... You know, you're being put in this position of having to, you know, stage this intervention. Maybe you guys could be on TV, stage the intervention, right? <laughs> um,
1: yeah, very for Amy.
3: But, but ask yeah. yourself, what's, what's worse? One big, ugly blow-up? Where you know you say what you need to say, she freaks out, reacts defensively, goes away for six months, uh, and then comes crawling back to you, you know, begging your forgiveness for your friendship again, or it going on like this, drip, 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 forever, putting up with this bullshit, this like low-level anxiety and obnoxiousness forever, or one big explosion. I would always go with the one big explosion over the drip, drip, drip and crap forever.
1: Oh, yeah. I don't know. Like, something I forgot to mention in my call, too, is it's, like, when she does get fucked up, she denies that she's, like... I mean, she's been to the point before where, you know, her eyes are bloodshot. She's slurring her speech. Her motor skills, like... I mean, she's moving. You know, she has, like, the drunk motions. And I'll be like, you know, do you, you need me to drive you home? And she's like, "No, I'm not fucked up at all." And you know, th- like that's the sort of thing that's like this whole barrier for me too. And I completely forgot to mention it. It's just that like there's she's
3: always this like when, somebody, when somebody's fucked up says, "Hey, I'm not fucked up at all," and then people like swallow it. They go, "Okay, I guess I, you know, I guess I should shut up because you know he doesn't want me to tell him he's fucked up." The right response is, "You are fucked up.
1: Don't tell well, me yeah, you're fucked gotten- up. Oh yeah, we've gotten. We've gotten in fights. Like, we've had a group of people try to take her car keys away from her before. Oh, and it's just sort of like... Oh, my God. I mean, and it's its just so weird because it's just like, you know, I've never been in this situation before. It's like, I've never had someone deny that they're, you know, wasted and... You know, like, I live in a pretty crowded place, and it's just, like, you just can't get away driving drunk here. Like, it's just not, you could fucking hit someone. Time like, for
3: intervention. Just say, you know what, you're fucking drunk, not going to be with when you're drinking. If you want to be my, you know, you want to hang out with me, cool, hang out with me, hang out with me sober. If you're going to drink, I don't want to be with you. Period. You're an asshole when you're drunk. Okay. you have a right to say that. You have a right to decide who you will hang out with and in what condition those people are going to be when you hang out with them. Yeah. And that applies even to manipulative drunks.
1: Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
3: it's man up. And you know what? Worst, co- you know, worst comes to worst, she doesn't hang out with you
1: anymore. Yeah, and you know, that sucks, but it's just I, I think overall it's like I don't I don't really care, you know, overall whether we'll, we'll be best friends forever or anything. It's just like I just don't want to see her hurt herself or someone else.
3: And you should should say all that during the intervention. And sometimes you say those things and and your friend fucks off and you don't see them for a year or two. And you think, God, it wasn't worth it to say that. I lost my friend. And what's happening is you planted those seeds in the back of your friend's booze-addled brain, and they're worming their way up into the frontal lobes, and it may take a year. Uh But even if you think, you know, it happened and it was a disaster, now we're not friends anymore – it could end up paying off in a year or two. Hopefully, before she runs mm-hmm. somebody over when she's hammered and in, in the car. But then you know, what, yeah. if that happens and you're not seeing each other, it won't be your responsibility because you won't be the person who let her leave with her car keys. Yeah.
1: <sighs> Good luck. Okay.
3: And, and come on, a minute, you totally do want to fuck her, don't you? <laughs>
1: it's not
3: really my type, but, uh, sorry, just being alcoholic myself there a little bit. All right. We're going to wrap things up in just a minute, but before we go, I want to play this call from someone who's responding to a previous podcast. Uh, it's got some good advice for people who have controlling abusive boyfriends, uh, or girlfriends. Uh, and I wanted to, to throw this out there before we sign off.
6: Yeah, hi. My name's Brent. I'm a lawyer in New York, and I'm, I don't have a question. I have a comment regarding your podcast from, I think, about two weeks ago about the girl that called on behalf of a friend um, who had to call into her boyfriend every half hour and needed his permission to go out. Um, I would suggest you let this woman know also, you know, that when the time comes, should you have the guts to break up with this abusive asshole? that uh, she might want to keep the number of her local coalition against domestic violence on hand. You know, if he's going to start becoming physically abusive, she might need um, a confidential place to live for a while while he comes stalking her and her friend. She may want to go down to her local family court, pick up a couple of petitions to get, to get ready for that order of protection that she is eventually going to need because it's probably the only way that's going to keep this guy away. I deal with this all the time. I deal with domestic violence in court all the time. She better have these phone numbers and these, this paperwork ready in hand for when she breaks up with this guy, and he starts coming after her.
3: Thanks very much for your call. Some abusive, controlling boyfriends, when they're dumped, don't stalk Don't engage in domestic violence. Uh, Some of them fuck off and go away. Perhaps they abuse people down the road, as is often the case. All abusive, controlling boyfriends who come to the attention of domestic violence attorney uh, engaged in illegal motherfucker activities. However, an abundance of caution in cases of potential domestic violence is always recommended. So I agree with the lawyer from New York. Get those numbers. Get the paperwork. Get it all ready. So you have it at your fingertips just in case you need it. Whenever you dump a control, a controlling, abusive partner, it's good to have backup, good to have friends, good to have a place to stay, good to have DV numbers. And it's good for that other person to know that you're prepared and you're not going to take their shit and you're going to come down on them like 10 tons of bricks if they fuck with you. All right, that wraps up this installment of the Savage Lovecast. We're going to go out, we're going to play that hip-hop track that's... Weeping the Nation, soon to be heard on Hot 97 Bullshit Radio uh, by AOK because I want to hear it one more time. And we'll be back at you next week with other podcasts. And, of course, if you want to record some music as possible, intro for the podcast, feel free and send it to us at mail at savagelove.net. And the number here, if you'd like to record a question for a future podcast, 206-201-2720. You download us every week at thestranger.com slash... Savage. And if you record a question, please try to keep it under a minute or two and leave your phone number in case we want to call you back. And here is A-OK with the Savage Lovecast.
2: Whether you're better by love or you never had a hug You can count on your man Dan Savage On month He's your grandma's favorite gay Here to save the day Turn your sex days into sex gays With sex raise advice for all your sex slaves So the next day, you can fuck your ex in the best way He's straight up, no lies, no makeup No fake, half-baked stuff No price, no pay stub, no money Don't be a stranger, just give him a call, honey 206-201-2720
7: Planned Parenthood wants to
1: remind you to love carefully.
0: Unplanned pregnancy rates are rising and sexually transmitted infections are at an all time high.
2: Remember, condoms reduce the risk.
0: Call 1 800 230 PLAN for an appointment or visit us online at PlannedParenthood.org.